2: Welcome everyone to SI Media with Jimmy Trainer. Thank you so much for listening. We have an excellent show for you this week. We have Kevin Clark, NFL podcaster, video host, writer, recently left the ringer. He's now at ESPN doing a three times a week football show. This is football. And he always has excellent takes, excellent insight on the NFL. So I uh, thought he was a great guest two weeks into the season and following Kevin my buddy Salicata joins me for our weekly of Thoughts segment. So good show this week. If you've missed any recent episodes, make sure you check them out. We had NFL Red Zone channel host Scott Hansen on the podcast last week. I did a uh, mini pod on the debut of NFL Sunday Ticket on YouTube recently. Julian Edelman, Greg McElroy, Charles Barkley, Peter Schrager, Chris Russo, all recent guests on SI Media with Jimmy Trainer. So check those out. If you missed any, subscribe, rate, and review. All right, let's get to this week's show. Kevin Clark from ESPN, followed by Sal Cotta and Trainer Thoughts. All right here, right now on SI Media with Jimmy Traynor. Yeah. All right, joining me now, always one of my favorites to talk to during the NFL season. Just made a big career move, so we got a lot to discuss from ESPN now. Kevin Clark. Kevin, how's it going? What's
3: going on, man? Glad to be back.
2: Thanks for coming back. And uh, last time we spoke, you with the
3: Ringer. Now you're at ESPN. Why the move? Um, well, great question. Uh, a lot <laughs> went into it. So it's it's ESPN in Omaha, and Omaha's producing my show. This is football, which is not a million miles away from what I was doing at the Ringer with So News Day. Um, and it's a dream. Like ESPN is still the epicenter of sports media. It's something I've wanted to do since I was a kid. Um, all that. But I think that there's a combination of things. Uh, number one, just the reach. Like the idea that I could have Dan Marino last week say he would throw up for 6,000 yards uh, if he played today. And then that's on his Instagram the next day and on their YouTube channel, all that stuff is something that kind of just appealed to me. Um, change of scenery, you know, and like I have an amazing relationship with everybody at The Ringer. I still do. I still talk to them every single day, pretty much all of them. Um, but the change of scenery after seven years, I think, um, you know, was, was probably important and I think it was, it was positive. And like, I, you know, I said this in my goodbye note, but like the, the goodbye conversations I have were had, were so warm and, uh, emotional and and beautiful and all that stuff. And, and the news is all friends for life. And, uh, and, but, but I just, I felt like it was time to make a move. And, um, the, the way things were shaping up with Omaha and ESPN and then, the last couple of months, have uh, it, it couldn't be better. It couldn't be better.
2: Was it... T- take out the ESPN part of it. Just you were at the ringer for seven years. How mm-hmm. difficult was it to... You know, I left SI at one point after mm-hmm. uh, 13 years, and I remember being a mess. How was it actually saying goodbye to the ringer? Because it yeah, was, was a long run.
3: I was a mess. Um yeah. it, it was just... It, it's just really hard because it's so... You know, there's so many different um, conversations you have to have. Each of them are different. They're all like bespoke conversations, goodbyes, and how do you approach it and all that stuff. You're worried. I was a little worried on how people would take it, and everybody took it well. And it it was sort of universally agreed upon um, for most people when I explained to one of them what I was doing, that this is something I had to do, like I had to do. And this is something that, like, I don't – I would get – job offers in the past and I would hem and haw and I would be like, you know, if I'm really, if I'm trying to talk myself into it, it's, it doesn't work. And that, that's, not just here. It's it, it, with the ringer. It was when I was at the Wall Street Journal, I used to get a couple and, and all that stuff. Like if I had to talk myself into it, it's probably not worth it with this one. I, I certainly did not. As soon as yeah. things looked like they were going to work out, I, I was in, uh, Nashville. So it's the middle of August, um, when it finally came into shape in the way I wanted it to. And I knew instantaneously. It wasn't like, yeah. oh, let me sleep on this thing. I mean, I did sleep on it just because I didn't, you know, because that's the normal human thing to say. Um, but it was like, we gotta go. We gotta go. Um and so it 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 was it was uh, I was a mess only because I love those folks. I still love those folks and I just I miss working with them. And like it's funny, I mean it's not to be uh more because it's Roger's injury, but like the amount of texts I got from people who as soon as Rogers went down from, from the Ring NFL staff, it was like, "Damn you, Kevin!" Like you know, we think about all the things we, you know, whether it's writing, whether it's potting, right. whatever. Like I felt like we were all like the teamwork there was so special, and so mm-hmm. that's what I I hated saying goodbye to. Um, but already working with the new folks, whether that's in Omaha, whether it's ESPN, like it, we're all on the same page. It's awesome. I have awesome producers on the Omaha side. Um, I I can't I can't get enough of it.
2: Yeah. It was it difficult. I mean, one of the things about our business is it's really hard to stand out and to carve out a niche unless you build something unique. You uh-huh. did that with Slow News Day. Mm-hmm. The things that stand out are the things that aren't on other websites, on other, you know. So Slow News <laughs> yeah. Day was its own thing, no one else did it, it was unique, it was popular. I guess you couldn't take that name with you to ESPN. It was that hard to Or Mm, was it just like, that's business? I didn't ask,
3: Um, but I also knew that I wanted to start my own thing and within that umbrella and like, also like I I adore Slow News Day and I adore everybody who who worked on it and anybody who ever came on it and all that stuff. Um, If we went to ESPN NFL's YouTube page and we just called it Slow News Day and it was me reading a newspaper like, I think there'd be a lot of people who were there to see like, George Kittle breakdowns who were like, what the hell is going on? Um, So you need to kind of meet a little bit halfway um the ethos is still there as far as interviews go as far as just getting people to either give the best insight about current football or tell a funny story or just tell tell, teach people something they don't know teach me something that i don't know which is by the way a lot um but i don't i I think change is good and like i i've always tried to innovate this is going to be sound so self-aggrandizing but i was actually thinking about it it's not something i tried. it's not something i tried to emulate i'm just it was something i heard recently where it was a Interview with a comedian, uh, Cat Williams. And they asked him why he did. He started his specials, one of his f- previous specials, with 15 minutes on Jacksonville, Florida, which was with the city he was in. And he just riffed on, he's not from Jacksonville, he just riffed on Jacksonville, Florida. And they said, uh Why'd you do that? And he said, Because everything I do is a reaction to something that either seems hard or, or seems that I can't do. And I kind of like that. And in a career, that's what you should be. A, Aiming for right, whatever yeah. scares you, you should be running towards and trying to do it. And maybe you'll fail. Um, I have a kid now in house, so like that's a little <laughs> easier said than done mm-hmm. as far as trying new things. Um, yeah. but I th- I felt like growing it and changing a little bit, it can't, it can't be a bad thing. I think that, yeah. um, you just do things that, um, mm-hmm. that scare you a little bit and things will normally work out.
2: There's a couple of more on this, and then we'll go on some NFL stuff. This, this might be a little tough. I hate putting you on the spot, but I. I what you said earlier, I think rings so. Tr- I, I think anyone in sports media, I would never question anyone who goes to ESPN. Like you said, the reach of ESPN, the power of ESPN. I know there's some bizarre narrative out there that people somehow don't think ESPN is what it is what it was. Well, nothing's what it was because of the way everything is fractured right. now because of streaming and blah, blah blah blah. But there's still nothing more powerful in sports than ESPN. There's just no two ways about it. I just the only thing the only trepidation I would have for someone like like if so me you is when you do go to ESPN they are partners with the NFL you cover the NFL I would you know you might have a little more freedom at the Ringer was that ever a thought to you or you didn't even really think about that
3: No I never thought about it I honestly yeah. never thought about it no one has ever I mean this is true not to say anything like the Wall Street Journal was owned by Rupert Murdoch who writes massive checks to the NFL and and i remember i i just remember thinking sometimes like hey i wonder if i'll ever get a call never got a call never got one call um even if i knew the league office was pissed at me over something normally pretty small um but but i i never got one call um nobody ever tried to strong arm me or anything like that um ringer is a different deal but there's still you know there's still relationships that that are you know league office level or, or commissioner level whatever with with entities that i'm associated with and i've never I've never gotten any pressure. Um, yeah. I mean, listen, if I was, I think I'd be, it'd be different if I was doing the sort of um, you know investigative reporting on TV contracts or, you know, owner's meetings. I think that'd be a little bit different. I'd, I'd have more pause, but like, right. I don't think, and I don't feel we like, you know, I'm a huge, I, I kind of, I'm all over the place on it um, because I just have interesting uh, perspective just being from Florida and being obsessed with it. But like, I talk a lot about conference realignment in college football. well, ESPN is a pretty huge player in that. And I don't think if when I go, I, I go on Feinbaum a lot, uh, Paul Feinbaum show, and like I'm not gonna lay up on conference realignment. I'm just gonna say whatever I wanna say. And if somebody right. wants to call me and say, hey, you can't you know, we can't say this blah blah blah, like I we can talk about that and I, I will I will try uh to hear them out, but I, I I won't really uh adjust my certain my perspective on it. Um, but like that's a good example of like I'm I'm just gonna Again, you know, if it scares you, it's good. Um, I'm just gonna just be myself and uh if I get some sort of call on it, we can deal with it then. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna decide all of a sudden that, you know, uh two mega conferences is good and great for the sport and we should have this, you know, this <laughs> this weird system we're going to just all because right. um, you know, someone from the the college football playoff office calls me.
2: Yeah. Um, I should have mentioned at the top. So Kevin's now doing this is football. Mo-
3: is it Monday, Wednesday, Friday? I believe for Sunday night. Yep, Wednesday, Friday.
2: Right for ESPN in Omaha. Is it all done right from where you're doing this podcast right now in that room you're yeah. in? Or yeah, yeah. isn't so- it amazing what sports media has become since COVID? Where. We're all just doing this from our houses. It's it's so wild. Like, here you are. You're leaving the ringer for ESPN, you, and you've talked about the relationships you've had at the
3: ringer. You were there for seven years. Have you even been to Bristol? Have you been? Like, how often no. will you ever be? So Isn't it I'm crazy? Go, I know. I don't I, don't think I can say the show. I'm going to go on Friday and make my ESPN debut, prop, TV proper uh, debut, oh, nice. um, but that ha- that's going to be at Seaport. And so okay. um, at some point, it's funny because I actually have been to Bristol. I have been to Bristol once. It was, uh, I was going, this is a crazy story. I was going to a wedding and I just written a story for the Wall Street Journal. And they asked if I could come on the Sports Center, And they were like, what's your closest studio? I was going to Maine. And I was literally like right outside Hartford. And I was like, you guys are probably not going to believe this. But like, actually the closest studio is is ESPN like right there on whatever highway it was. And so yeah. I turned off and that's where I did it. And I bought a a tie at a local TJ Maxx and that was it. Um so yeah. that was the one time. That was two jobs ago. Um but no uh, so like I've been to Seaboard a bunch. I did debatable there, which was the the um the publicatory Dominic Foxworth show with uh, with Charlie Kravitz. I've done debatable there a bunch, um, so I've been there. I'm comfortable there, and I'll go there Friday. Um, but ninety percent of the stuff I'm going to do, including like remote hits, whenever I do yeah. them, would be from this office in beautiful Larchmont, New York, it, Larchmont it's, studio.
2: That's crazy what it's become. Uh, what, what? Where will we see you Friday? What shows?
3: I don't think I can say. Oh, really? I think they want to announce it. Yeah, they don't want to promote and to
2: plug. I mean, well, I, this is coming I, out Thursday morning, so I don't know. But. I, <laughs> All right. I'm, a, I'm um, a good
3: corporate soldier.
2: Yes. Yeah. You've learned well. <laughs> you've learned well. Um, yeah. It, it's it's um, like do you do you care that you're never gonna sort of be in an office or a studio around people? Yeah. Or Do you think or are you fine with just like the communicating no. through Zoom and Slack and all that nonsense?
3: So I, I I I'm good about meeting up with people. Like just get a coffee or a beer or whatever. I'd say the biggest thing is I'm a little older now. So I turned down a job. From the from um, I I'm trying to be careful here. I got a job offer when I was at the Journal, for another outlet that was not focused in New York. It was an awesome job, but I could have worked remotely, and I was 27 years old. And the reason I turned it down because I loved the feeling of a newsroom, loved the feeling of a newsroom, and going yeah. in and just bsing with people and getting coffee and putting your feet up on the desk and having a great conversation about last night's Yankee game or, um, man, the giants have lost. The giants don't look good right now. Like what's going on with them. Like that was amazing to me. The energy of it, not just sports desk, but like the way other people would interact with the sports desk, the way that the, you know, the journal, the money and finance guys would come over and just talk about, you know, we would want to talk about sports. Like there was so much energy to it. Two things happened. Number one, uh, everyone just communicates on FaceTime and and Zoom and text now. number uh, yep. two is I don't I I don't want to speak for anybody but like I don't know if the newsroom feeling even at the papers that are well staffed I'm not sure that exists anymore because of we're from home because of COVID our uh, right. post-COVID sort of um, systems how many people moved away Spotify let us work anywhere in America um and so even if I wanted to stay in L.A. and there still is a vibrant L.A. office there, like it's not the same because one or two people peel away, one or two people right. and all of a sudden. Um, it's just not it's just not the same. Um, yeah. And like I shared a, an office in, in L.A. with Brian Curtis and Kevin O'Connor. We had one little small office in L.A. and some of the best days of my life, frankly, were in that office. Um but I had to move back to the East Coast. Um, other folks in that office, those two guys are still in L.A., but other folks in that office had to move away. And so um, that's not that has nothing to do with why I would make the move. I'm just saying that this, I think that the newsroom culture and the office culture that existed before COVID was like a special thing, and I'm going to think about it for the rest of my life. I just don't yeah. think in a lot of places it exists anymore.
2: I feel the same exact way. I, I, I desperately miss that office feel when – we had an office with SI, but like you said, it wouldn't be, the, I mean, so many people moved out of New York during COVID, even if they brought it back, it it, it wouldn't, it'd be such a shell of what it was, but um, we had a good run with, you know, like you said, it's just the conversations, the go get coffee, the busting balls. It's,
3: you know, I miss it well, desperately. At the, at, at the journal, we had one page a day to fill and there'd be 11 a.m. at noon. We would come in and we'd have nothing and we would just sit there until we had something. And like that was so fun and the collaborative process. And now, what do you do? Have a Zoom for three hours? We're all sitting around, you know, turning our camera off to get coffee. Like there was just, there was just nothing like it. Um, Can't compare it. You yeah.
2: could be on zoom all day you could be on facetime all day you could be on slack all day it's it, you can't compare it it's not the same you can't compare it it's it's, yeah.
3: it's it's unlike anything ever and like newspapers i'm so lucky i got in at the very 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 tail end of newspapers where i was yeah. uh i worked at the chicago tribune i was a freshman in college i worked at the sun sentinel um after that in in fort, fort lauderdale and like just to go in there and just from if you had a free three uh three hours and just bullshit, was just like the most yeah. th- the most fun you're possibly going to get and uh it is is heartbreaking not only from from what's up in the newspapers broadly but like the fact mm-hmm. that just because of real estate problems like n- newsrooms in a lot of places literally just physically don't exist um, right and that sucks
2: right yep that's us um one more and then we'll turn to some football stuff so are you not writing at ESPN. Are you done writing? What's the deal with that?
3: Great question. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't. I my, I'm doing this show. That's it. That's what I. Right. That's what I signed on for. Um, and then there'll be some other stuff within that. Um, writing is not yet a part of the uh, equation. What I would say is that I love writing. It's the favorite thing to do in the world. I think there's ways to do it. Like I, someone actually just asked me this morning, they, they were like, you know, are you, how do you, how, what's the reporting process, writing versus podcasting or video? And I'm like, it's the same thing. Like We had Channing Crowder on today and it's like, okay, well, I want him to tell full, hilarious anecdotes with tons of details. Well, guess what? I wanted that when I was at the Wall Street Journal and it was going to a thousand word column. I wanted it at the ringer and now I want it on video. Like it's the same skill set, in my opinion. Um, but I love actually putting paper, uh, pen to paper. and. I was meeting with a, uh, I was just BSing with with an executive um, in the last year or so. And he said, um, you know, it's so important you're a writer. And I kind of perked up and I was like, oh yeah, well, like is writing like valuable? And he's like, oh no, 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 no. It's not valuable. But uh, like you have like arguments in your head and you know how to like map out what you're going to say. And I was like, oh, so the typing doesn't matter. Like, the actual like putting words onto the internet. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah that 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 doesn't matter at all. I was like, good, yeah. cool. Glad glad I was glad I was born fifty years too late.
2: So if they wanted you to write, you would write? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Right.
3: Yeah. yeah, yeah. D- similar to what I did at The Ringer. Yeah. I Got it's my favorite it. T- it's it is my favorite thing in the world. It's my favorite thing in the world to um so I think you can reach an, I reached I think you reach a huge audience with podcasting and video and, and, and luckily whatever niche I've been able to carve out, I'm able to reach people like that. And you, you really don't even find out that way until you like say something either uh, inflammatory or like you'll say something small. Like my favorite is like, I remember when I moved back to New York, I was like, Oh yeah, I got to go, you know, like reach. uh, I gotta, I gotta look for an apartment and like, 50 people DM me and they're like, hey, man, like my buddy's a real estate agent whatever. And I was like, oh, people listen to this. Like, that's when you find out. Right. Um, Right. But anyway, that's so funny. But like, I think when I have an opinion of something or like the day after the Super Bowl, my favorite thing to do is write the day after the Super Bowl or the night of the Super Bowl. And you can do a monologue and say the exact same thing you say in print. But the print part is so impactful. It reaches people that um. That would normally tune in. Like, think about how into the idea of me you have to be to subscribe to my podcast, to watch my video on the ESPN NFL YouTube page, like whatever, right? Mm. But like, Joe Sixpack sitting in his office just gets emailed something on Monday, and somebody says this looks pretty good. Like, somebody, um, actually, somebody the other day was telling me about one of my videos, the Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, Snyder DEA video that was shared in Slack, uh, his his company Slack. But it's like. Nine times out of ten, it's more, uh, it's more likely that an article would be shared like that. And so I love, I'm the last, I'm the youngest person. to Just love the written word, and I would love <laughs> to be able to continue that in my career. All right, that's awesome.
2: Actually, I I do have one more question about your change. So you, this is also a partnership with Omaha. Have you, did you have meetings or conversations, facetimes with Eli and uh, with Peyton, or you haven't?
3: Uh, I did, a- I I got an email from Peyton. A very warm, nice email. It was great. I did not. He's very uh, hands
2: on, from what I've heard over yeah. at Omaha. It's yeah. an
3: email. I've got. I got a very nice email from him. Uh, I can't. I can't thank him enough for that. But that was. Uh, that was really cool. Done. Eli was. Eli was on my first episode along with RG3. Right. Um, he was very, very warm. So it's uh It's it's a really cool, innovative place, um, and I've enjoyed working with them and meeting with them just as much as um, when I was going to the meetings with the ESPN people as well.
2: I'd like to see you on the Manning Cast one night.
3: I don't I think that the threshold of fame is a little higher.
2: Eh, I don't know. They have they they have some people on there sometimes where, where you know, it's not
3: Wow. You don't even know how
2: to finish that sentence, Jeremy. Well, I don't wanna I would say they have ninety five percent where you're like, Okay, that's a that's a great guest. Well, that's five percent where, you know. Who well, the first episode the first episode of this year, who there were two guests and I remember neither,
3: and um, Ryan Fitzpatrick.
2: Yeah. yeah. You could get in there. Um <laughs> All right. Let's talk about some NFL things. I, I do want to say I asked about the writing because I've always I've said this to you before. No NFL writer came up with more unique top I know more unique is oh, not you. a real thing, but um more unique topics than you, so that's why I asked them, because I, I do hope you get back to it. Um, let's talk about the NFL a little bit, two weeks in. Well, let's start with the biggest the biggest question, by far. Bigger power couple, Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift, Kim Kardashian, Odell Beckham Jr.
3: It's not even close. It's, 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 what are we calling this, Swift and Kelsey? Have we, have we combined those names into something? It, don't think we have yet. All right, someone, someone will get there. I haven't checked Um, in with the
2: Swifties on it.
3: The one thing I'm excited about is, as we know, NFL teams are kind of a black box of information. Nothing, nothing gets out and lockbox and uh, Swifties getting into the chiefs world and trying to figure out what's going on with teammates, monitoring social stuff. I mean, like, that's going to be like, I was joking on another show a couple weeks ago, like when Travis Kelsey was hurt, if that relationship was official and it sounds like it's trending towards that being that case, like we would have found out if Travis Kelsey was playing based on like Swifty message boards, who would have been staking him out, like all that stuff. Like there's uh there's no more powerful force in the universe and to have them involved with the NFL. I don't know if we're, I don't know if we're all ready for this. I,
2: especially if there's a breakup during the season, yes, that's, you know, you would, Travis should be careful.
3: I uh, the Swifties I are gonna wish, come get them. They're gonna come them, get them. I wish them nothing but happiness and success. <laughs> yeah, I, I th- and I, I,
2: you know, I want you know. There's a Kim K, Taylor Swift rivalry, so I'm wondering right. if Kim saw the Taylor and Travis thing and was like, "All right,
3: oh. you know, you want to play, we'll play." Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't think about that. Um, no, I, I think that. I mean, Travis Kelsey is probably perfect for Taylor. Like, he's charismatic. He's he's a really good player. Although that shouldn't shouldn't matter, but it really does. You know, he he wants he's he enjoys the limelight. I would say I think he's Travis is ready for this. Travis is ready for his star turn. And now the podcast is like the number one podcast on the planet. Not even just sports. I was looking at the charts the other day. Not even just sports. It's like taking over. It's like the new Joe Rogan. Right.
2: Right. It is what they've done with that podcast is insane it really is
3: and and it's just so the insight they're able to glean is i just think and i've said this a million times before. there's a level of openness and i'd say chris long is in this too there's a level of openness that players are going to be with other players because they know nothing is lost on them and there's an advantage there and like i'll be honest with you there's times where people will say things to me and I'll just kind of like on the show and I'll just kind of smile and nod, decide to figure it out later what they're talking about scheme wise or why they're doing this players know. And so right. like when Howie Roseman goes on with that, those guys or when handy Andy, Andy Reed goes on, they feel like they can speak at a higher level and sometimes it gets lost on the casual viewer, but more often than not, it's really, really interesting. And like yeah. their openness about their past and like Travis, I remember just good examples, Travis telling that story about going into a, uh, Trying to make Bill Belichick laugh in his uh, in his in his pre-draft meeting and yep. Belichick not being into it, like the amount of, I guess you'd say, and this is such a terrible reductive phrase, but like the amount of IP you have when you're a player is pretty much unlimited. And that, yep. that's actually something I'm trying to tap into on my show, but like I can't get there. I wasn't in a pre-draft meeting with Bill Belichick. I wasn't in a Steelers yep. pre-draft meeting where I met, pointed out that Mean Joe Green was there and everybody got mad at me. Like that, that, that to me is is the golden goose. And,
2: uh, you know, you mentioned Chris Long, who I love. I I think his podcast is phenomenal. He's a friend of this podcast. We go on each other's. We're we're friends. The difference, though, I mean, I think what's really crazy, and I mean that in a positive way, about what Travis and Jason do with New Heights is that they're current players. You know, Chris went into the podcast game after he retired. To have two current NFL players do podcasts every whatever it is, Monday or Tuesday, it, that, we never saw it before, I don't think, in foot in the NFL before they did it. And I think that's what makes it.
3: People have tried. The yeah. problem is, here's the problem, is that it's really hard to toe the line. Like Draymond Green is a phenomenon. Because yeah. Draymond Green, and I know, I think this is probably public. It's fine. I know someone who works with Draymond Green at the volume. And they're like, you know, it's astounding. He'll be the center of the universe you get kicked out of a game, or get in a Twitter fight, or whatever, and they'll get text on their phone being like, "Hey man, I'm ready to pod. Like, you know, turn turn the mics on in five minutes." No one is like that in media. No one wants to run towards the fire and say, "Let me stoke this." Now I forget what game it was in hey, Memphis a couple years ago, but Draymond had just some awful game. Yeah, and he started off being like, "Hey man, I don't care what you guys think. You're going to get this podcast, and you need that gene where every." Tuesday, every Thursday, whatever it is, you're going to give the people what they want, even if, you know, whatever. I think the Kelsey's had that and they're, they're comfortable enough in their own skin. I think they're comfortable enough in their career. They've made a lot of money. They've had a lot of success. They've each won Super Bowls. And I think it's, they're, they're all, all three of those guys are unicorns. Um, and it's really hard. Like you saw this, I don't know. Did you, did you follow the Patrick Peterson tells thing with San Francisco?
2: No, I don't think So,
3: so. Um, the, uh, the Patrick Peterson has a podcast right and he said that San Francisco had tells uh on their oh. on their offense yeah yeah, right uh, and and i think from what i saw like there was a lot more context to it than that right but it doesn't matter it just gets shared as pat pete said there's tells man right. has kicked their ass and pat pete's in hell you know and that that's awful um and so you have to toe the line but i also think that like you just gotta know you're gonna eat crap sometimes. And that's that's the one thing with yeah. Draymond is he's just like, screw it. I'm I'm just gonna go through it. But but, but a lot of guys just don't want that kind of smoke.
2: I, I don't wanna take anything away from Draymond, but I think what makes the Kelsey thing even more um surprising or unique than the Draymond thing is it's the NFL where right. these coaches like, you know. Every, there's no secrecy like NFL secrecy. And there's no, like, you know, if you're not, you know, the fans think that if you're not studying the playbook 24 hours a day, that you're slacking off. And, you know, these coaches, you know, we hear the stories about, you know, the, the coaches don't want players saying anything inflammatory. Yeah. Whereas in the NBA, I think it's encouraged in a way. So, in the NFL, like, the coaches want everything on the lockdown. So that's why to have two current players doing it, I think yeah. is
3: wild. When I was uh, uh Bryce Young was on my show last year around this time, and I just read a really good book by John Talty about Saban and how he how he coaches. In it, there was an anecdote about how Saban basically can teach he teaches so so many crazy things about football. And one of them was about how to play a def- how a quarterback can play a defensive back shoulder placement against them, right? Just like mm-hmm. hey, if he's turned this way, whatever. So. I asked Bryce Young, I was like, hey man, can you give me like a nugget that Saban has been able to give you that's kind of like that? And he's like, oh man, well, there's this one thing and he starts going and then midway through he just goes, I'm sorry, I just, I just can't finish this. Like I just can't, like, I can't keep going. Like coach Saban is going to get so mad at me and he realized like he, I mean, he's a nice guy. And so he starts giving me the answer and then halfway through was just like, no, like I actually can't give this. And that's the default. These guys are coached to not give anything. Um, and that's why you see, like, I don't know if you just saw this Justin Fields thing a couple hours ago. Oh, yeah. But I was going to ask you about ba- Where he basically called out coaches. Like, that's a choice because every single, and I, by the way, I agree with Justin Fields, but every single uh, player is coached to never say anything. I don't know if you ever heard it, but Dan Batard asked Ryan Tannehill, maybe a decade ago, this was so funny, to just give give your like opening statement at a press conference on a team that you know nothing about. I'm not going to give you the team. I'm not going to give you the defense. What does it look like? And Tannehill gave like three minutes on like, hey, well-prepared team this week, well-coached, and it was so funny, and you can tell that yeah. deep inside the brain of every quarterback, coach, whatever, is the ability to just BS for three minutes and say absolutely nothing. And and I think that when they say something, it's a shock to the system. And that's why I think it's, it's actually kind of cool if these guys want to create their own content, because it's, it, as long as this stuff gets out, we're, we're all winning and we're able to we're able to talk about this stuff. So I don't I don't hate it by any means.
4: This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.
2: Let's talk about the season a little bit. So after week one, everyone associated with the NFL always says like, don't overreact to week one. Yeah. Can't don't do it. but we seem to think it's okay to do it after week two. <laughs> like, week one, don't overreact. Don't believe what you see, anything. And then after week two, it's like, okay, well, the Cowboys and Niners are in the NFC championship game and the Bengals are dead. And this, this. So give me like, what do you think after two weeks? Give me like a take that you feel strongly about after like seeing two weeks of this season.
3: All right. Um, so I think the dolphins are going to make the playoff. I'm sorry. Make the super bowl. Um, if Ooh, I had to do like over that. again, that's spicy. If I could have a take mulligan and, and I want to be nuanced here. So I picked the Bengals to win the super bowl, pick them to play the Cowboys in the super bowl. The Cowboys part of it's holding up. Well, I'm of the belief, through my reporting and through my conversations with Joe Burrow, which are not not recent, but but in the past, but the coaches' conversations are are recent. That the Bengals were going to start slow, like they always do, because Burrow didn't have a training camp. Everything's going to be fine after that. The thing that worries me so much is the re-aggravation of the calf, because that slows everything down, and all the things I believe about how the Bengals operate and how their offense gets on the same page. Listen. If they don't get humming till December, they might not have. They might have four wins by then, and it doesn't matter if they become the best offensive football like they normally do. Um, so that's the biggest thing for me. And on the flip side, like so, I, I actually floated the Dolphins as a Super Bowl contender in the summer, and I got a lot of heat for it. um I, I got I, I got a death threat over it. In fact, I was just talking mm-hmm. about that on the Dominique Foxworth show. Last a legitimate day. death um, threat. No, not like I'm okay. gonna. Here's your address. I'm gonna kill you. Just like, okay. it's just like you don't deserve to live. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> there, there are there are levels of death threats. I would say, yeah. like there's a guy who um who say who sends me like really graphic death threats over the smallest stuff. Lovely. Like, uh, yeah. Like I I went on Rosillo and I said I liked uh, I think it was I like Nolan Smith as a value pick and the guy just got real graphic. I'm like man, if you're going to me, I mean, yeah. this that's that's a low I, bar. I've
2: said this a few times on this podcast. When I first started at Sports Illustrated, this is going back to like 2001, 2002, one of my first jobs was I would read the email that would come in for Dr. Z. Oh, my God. And I'd have to forward it to Dr. Z because he was not tech savvy for him to answer in his mailbag. And And I've always said that experience for those three or four years I did that has helped me so much in what I do now because now I don't let any of the bashing get to me because what that guy and all of the bashing that came in for dr z was over his power rankings so people would email (laughs) and be like you have the browns 28th and the raiders 24th i hope you forget to take your meds today and die And i'd be like oh my god like power rankings these people would lose their shit in a way i've never seen (laughs) so now when someone you know when i like you know say like i don't like this announcer and someone says you know drop dead you fat piece of shit i don't really care because i'm so like hardened from the dr
3: z experience yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You, you have to learn thick skin in this industry. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so the Dolphins. I, you're adding in Vic Fangio, who is at least going to raise the the floor. Jalen Ramsey will come back at some point. They've got a ton of talent everywhere, and then the offensive side of the ball. They have Tua, who, as long as he's healthy, is one of the best. I mean, I I think he's legitimately great. But even if you want to say he's a product of Mike McDaniel, who cares? Um, right. And they've got skill guys everywhere the offensive line probably still needs a little bit work but it hasn't mattered yet so i the afc to me i, I keep comparing it, i don't know if you're a golf fan but i keep comparing it to modern golf where it's like it's like 12 golfers every week who should win a tournament because they're just right. so good and it's like okay if Colin Morakal putts well if scotty Scheffler does xyz if john Rahm does xyz like rory like these guys should win every week in the afc it's like Coming into the season, there were nine teams where I'm like, yeah, they should make the Super Bowl. And they would make the Super Bowl in a bunch of different years. But all of a sudden, Rogers and the Jets are out. All of a sudden, the Chargers look like they're in the middle of a lost season and Brent Staley's on his way getting fired. So, yes, the, the bills do not look like they have. Um Bengals, obviously, struggle. Bengals with- are, well. are in the mud. And so yeah. you start to look around and you say, like, OK, the Chiefs certainly. And by the way, the Chiefs might be the obvious answer here, like the Chiefs. I If they have a top five defense, which they look capable of, then it's over. But let's just see how that goes. Um, I think if there's a, a Bengals type team this year, as far as like we get to the AFC title game when they win a game on the road uh and they get to the Super Bowl, it's it's the Dolphins to me.
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, here in New York, obviously, the the offseason, it was just I've never seen anything like it with the Aaron Rodgers stuff. And people are picking the Jets to win the Super Bowl, go to the Super Bowl, and Chris I, Long. I, Chris Long. And I just couldn't believe no one was talking about the Dolphins. Nobody was talking about the Dolphins. And I'm just like, really? Like, you know, it was just right to whatever. Um, We've had two weeks of games. I'm going to give you what I think has been the greatest moment of the season so far. And then I want to hear yours. For me, it was Bill Belichick throwing the flag the other night. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing in the two weeks is compared. I don't care what Tyreek Hill did against the Chargers. Bill Belichick slamming the challenge flag was the moment of the season so far for me.
3: He knows comedy. He knows he comedy. really does. He really. Um, does. I'm. The, I go ahead. The, Like,
2: I feel like we don't pay attention to the fact that he keeps the flag in his sock.
3: And and he also just has such such a loathing of officials especially if he feels they're not doing their job correctly it all comes out in that one spot um i'm trying to think of a moment that could be better i don't really know um i mean mike mcdaniel kind of being a troll in the in the 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 halftime then running that was good camera that That was was good. good yeah um trying to think what else i mean it hasn't uh pittsburgh fans all in unison deciding to chant fire their offensive coordinator as loud as you could possibly get like that's good um but no it's it's been it's been like it's been an awesome season there's a reason ratings are up like this is just a a well well well-oiled entertainment machine
2: it really it's the fact that it's so wide open is great this year have you you know i'm just thinking i mean you do such great interviews have you ever I he I know he wouldn't do it, but well, who knows? But have you ever tried to get Be- Belichick on like Slow News Day would yeah. have been hysterical.
3: So I met Belichick once. Um mm-hmm. like met met. It was in an owner's meeting, he had no idea what I was talking about. And um so I'm I'm uh he's at this the they have these coaches' breakfasts, right? So I'm there, I briefly introduced myself. It's twenty it's my first year in the NFL beats, it was a decade ago. And I follow him like walk and talk with him he has no interest whatsoever and i'm just (laughs) hanging with him and i get to the elevator and i almost like put my foot in the elevator door just to say goodbye and say my name again when i don't and turn around and scott Pioli and thomas dimitrov who were gms in the league at that point who know but bill really well but also had known me already they were hysterically laughing and i was like what and they were like we were watching the whole time it was like watching like a, a rodeo uh, cowboy like on a bucking bronco just like sticking with them <laughs> stride by stride and and I just don't think there's a couple of things number one not in the Boston market uh, I don't I didn't get in early with Belichick which is tough um, I've pretty much spent time with any everybody I've wanted to spend time with except for the the New England guys frankly uh, in this league and I just don't think so I I um, he turned me down a couple of times on bigger stories. I did one thing about the O seven Patriots that that I got everybody else for, didn't get Belichick. I just don't think he sees much value in it. Um yeah. and I also think that um I don't know, like I, I, I think weirdly like he wants to pay tribute when you when he gets guys a lot of the time or sorry when he talks about guys a lot of times people outside the system or retired guys so like getting him to talk about tom brady is probably not when he's playing was not advantageous for him right right whereas i remember like you know when steve sable died he mm. i called everybody to give to give his his thoughts the eulogy because he's such a huge part of the game or You know i think he's he's talked a lot about lawrence taylor to a lot of different people if i called him up and said i'm doing a thing on lawrence taylor and how he did xyz i'd have a better shot than if i said i was doing something on mac jones Mm -hmm. um and so i've never i've tried to do belichick um many times i've never asked him to come on slow news day um but i just don't think he's i i don't think we're we're aligned as much as i would like yeah
2: yeah If you were taping this on a Wednesday, you have a show coming out Friday. If you could book any human being for that show on Friday, who would you want to book?
3: So we've actually had this because we've had this discussion because Jason Gallagher, my former producer at Salon Newsday, he used to say a lot like actual problem, not the problem, but like we do have to have football in everything we do. Like we have to have a football fan because they if they can't, we were offered someone extremely famous. So news day last fall and i said no yeah. because the person just could not talk football could not talk oh my football. god i need to know who this and, is and uh and so the uh the the um and it was like early stage of negotiation but whatever and so um for me like i'm a huge pearl jam fan i think eddie vedder could talk enough 80s bears and, you know, I, I saw him once in Newark and he was wearing a Walter Payton jersey. So we can just get 80s and 90s bears. Right. You know, probably some Seahawks stories from from the late 90s. Like, I think Eddie Vedder would be my number one. Uh, I mean, Belichick would not be bad. Andy Reid would yeah. not be bad. The thing about Andy Reid is that in print interviews, he gives a lot more than Bill Belichick. A lot more. Yeah. And I I sat down with Reed in 2013 when he first took the Kansas City job. And he basically explained the next five years of NFL offense, and he was completely correct. He was basically just like, we're five years away from the entire spread uh, offense taking over the NFL, blah, blah, blah. And I've written this before, but like, he was 100% right. But five years later, Nick Foles won over the Patriots in a, you know, 50-whatever it is, 48-46 game where it looked like a Big 12 offense on both sides of the ball, et cetera, et cetera. Like, Andy Reed is the guy... I know everybody says like they'd love for to get truth serum and Bill Belichick and just have him tell stories. I agree with that, but I also think that he doesn't want to do it. Like he likes talking about punting and stuff. Andy Reid, like he wants to talk ball. He just doesn't want to distract. He just wants to give you nothing to move on and go back to football. I think I I think a book or a podcast from Andy Reid would actually be the the holy grail of football um because he knows so much and he can communicate it well there's a great nfl films podcast with him from a couple of years ago that i think uh i think steve sable did um and they actually released it as a podcast a couple of years ago and it was like a phenomenon i learned so much from it and he he said that all his entire teaching philosophy is just to put uh everything you need to know on an index card. And if there's more than that, they don't need to know it. Like that's, that should be a podcasters like ideal. Like don't, yeah. don't overthink it. Whatever. Like I weirdly, if I could, if I could make anybody into a media figure, it would be Andy Reid.
2: Yeah, I could see that for sure. I feel like he does. I feel like he flies under the radar for as great as he is, which you know, cause he's not out there with like, well, he
3: doesn't want to be, he, he yeah. wants to just get back. He wants to go out there, give out the injuries, which, which yeah. he has his trainer do. And then he, wants to go back to coaching like he does not want to put himself out there
2: yeah um let me ask you this to wrap it up sort of since this is sort of a media podcast well, not sort of it is a media podcast <laughs> give me something because i love the way your mind works give me something when you're watching nfl football on a sunday from one to midnight or whatever it is what would you want to change or see done differently or you're sick of in terms of the presentation of the game on TV, whether it's something from announcers, whether it's something from camera work, is there something that irritates you that you, or it doesn't even have to irritate you, but something you'd want to change or see done di- or eliminate, you know, like I don't think they do this in the NFL, but in baseball they do like the keys of the game and they're like, you know, shut down the offense. Like, what are we doing here? Like, is there something in the NFL that you'd yeah, want to so- the Change one thing the I'd actually love
3: to move away from is, and this is more of a college thing because I'll give you a college example: the coaching interviews that now cut into the game time. Like yeah. I, I don't know if you saw this with LSU and FSU, but uh, first game of the season, I know a ton of FSU people. They've get an interception that like gets Florida State on the way to beating LSU. Huge, huge play. I'm talking like the kind of play that if it ends up be in the season they think is like you know they have photos of it in sports bars in Tallahassee right well <sighs> guess what like one that was going on it was a it was it was split screen with a coaching interview and like that and that's a symptom of of just that, that's every network um that's doing that now I I really I think that that does, it doesn't really lend itself that's a more of an NBA thing and you just yeah. can't miss a couple of plays no. um so that, that's small I mean like I, most networks do do a do a very good job um I'd say I've actually I'm I've I've tendered my resignation on Red Zone. I just feel like Sunday Ticket is so much better for me understanding oh, what's actually happening. Now in the game. Now, um, now
2: you've you've hit a nerve.
3: I, j- hit a I, nerve. Di- I, I did Red Zone the last two years and I decided to go to Sunday Ticket again and do the quad box. It's really, so good
2: on YouTube. It's amazing.
3: It's amazing.
2: It's, it's amazing. amazing. It's because and I'm not a red zone person either. I, I mean, I feel bad saying that because I had Scott Hansen on this podcast last week, and he was great. But I was always a Sunday ticket person, always. And then I got rid of Directv for a couple of years because I had issues with them, and I ended up going to sport. I just, I, I, I don't like to watch the game the the red zone way. I cannot believe how good the YouTube is from the standpoint. The number one thing for me is how much wasted space Directv had on their screens when they did their multi view with the quad, with mm-hmm. the four games. The, YouTube it cannot be done more perfectly than they're doing it. It Blows I, me away.
3: I completely agree. Um, we can, as soon as we can choose our own multi view, yeah. we're gonna we're yeah. gonna be we're gonna be cooking a hundred percent. Yeah. The other thing I would change this is a little bit. A uh, thought that my my bo- my old boss Bill Simmons used to have but like pregame shows halftime shows like I, I just wish they could let it breathe a little bit more and like yeah. one of the big inefficiencies I've found is just like kind of what I was talking about at the beginning of the show like have these guys telling full anecdotes full stories like hey this is this happened to me in my career and this is what happened and I kind of feel like every single and it's every network I don't I don't actually don't think anyone's cracked yeah. the code um I, I, you, everybody gets 45 seconds to talk, and you just, and, and it's about like, what do the Bears do to solve Justin Fields? And they go around, and they say, okay, we need to do this. This is this, this. like, it would actually be much better if, um, I'm making this up. Let's say Phil Sims, right? So Phil Sims says, hey, I lost th- here, here, here is the three worst games of my career. And then here's what I did afterwards, you know? Um, and then you give them a minute and a half, right? And and have Nate and all those guys jump in. I'm I'm just putting names. I'm not yeah um, yeah. But like that to me is like I I uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick was on, um, was on my show last week, and and I I just said to him, I was like, you know, you lay an egg on Sunday, because I was actually talking about fields. I was like, you lay an egg on Sunday, you come in on Monday, and like what happens? Like what? Ha- just take me through it. And like he did, and he said like it's like a morgue. Nobody says anything. Right. I immediately go to the tape room because you just want to start. You just want to do something. And it's like that to me. I, I know this is, again, self-aggrandizing because I'm the one that asked the question. But like that to me, that kind of insight is what I want to hear. 100%. Is, like, is, is is you've done it. Again, We the players have the IP. We don't. Right. You and I don't. Not even right. journalists do. And right. so like what is happening? What is just OK? Justin Fields calls out his coach, right? So like on Sunday morning it should be what happens when when did a player call out a coach in your locker room how do we react by the way was the player right because this could be you know what i'm saying like there's just yeah. so much so much nuance within that and so yep. if i could make any change to the broadcast it be more it be more of that and making it uh again i think it's so reductive to be like oh make it more like a podcast because podcasts and digital shows tend to not work one to one on tv you have to change right. it a little bit but right. i do think there's a lot of room to make Podcast style insight into t- a TV product.
2: I, I think it's a great one, and I agree with you because, what I, I've said this so many times on this podcast is what strikes me every year when the season starts, and you know you, you're all, you're so pumped up those first couple of weeks, and I'm just I'm blown away that still in this day and age, Fox, CBS, NFL Network, NBC, that all of their pregame shows they're all the same. Like, mm-hmm. there's nothing different. Like, yeah, Fox is a little more special because Terry and Howie have been, Jimmy, they've been together for like a million years and like, but the concept of all, I, I'm just shocked not one of those networks says like, let's blow it up and do something right now. Maybe the NFL doesn't want them to. I think that could be a factor in it. Yeah. Um. But
3: I, 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 the I'd sameness also
2: say, blows me away.
3: Yeah. So. I have a little, I've asked some people about this in the past, not about the pregame shows, but just generally yeah. like, why does every broadcast end up looking vaguely the same? So it's a mixture of there is NFL input, but I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing. It just makes sure like, like you saw what happened a couple of years ago with Apple's baseball thing where right. like they're right. kind of freelancing and everyone's kind of like, what is this? Um, and so like the NFL control input, I don't think necessarily is all bad. Um, so but I think the biggest thing is like most game broadcasts it's not just NFL most game broadcasts are just a vehicle for advertising and yeah. a lot of it is and, and and by the way, a lot of the hires are just like for green room type stuff and can this guy go and and uh can we send this guy to to Detroit to have a meeting uh with you know and take out three car executives and have a great time like that kind of stuff and so that stuff I think is more um, important than than you or i think where we're just sitting around saying why doesn't this guy talk about the third down play calling it's like well i mean these are these are billions of dollar companies right um and they've got a lot they've a lot a lot of different decisions to make um and so it's a mixture of that and then um yeah i mean and also just like and this this sounds simple but like when retired player comes on TV, he's going to take lessons from the ones that came before him. Normally, mm-hmm. they're very good, but then you get sort of a sameness. Nobody like the the pivot podcast um, with Ryan Clark and, and Channing Crowder and Fred Taylor yep. is is really, really, really good. And that's the yep. kind of thing where that should be probably on a pregame show at some point. But like that would take the, a lot of confidence. And if it doesn't work, a lot of people get fired. And, and so that to me is the biggest concern where it's like, are you going to take 15 minutes out of your hour, two hours, even if it's on a auxiliary, you know, type of channel, whatever, are you going to do that? And if it doesn't work, you've committed this for an entire year, you've paid out all these people. Like it's, it's a, it's a giant leap that, that takes, it's a lot easier said than done that we're going to, we're going to reimagine this. We're going to double down on this. Like actually most game broadcasts of any sport um, are usually are, are usually in a, in a certain direction for, for a reason.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, but like I said, what makes your show good is it's always unique. Oh,
3: thank you.
2: And uh, I appreciate you coming on. It Everyone would can not, catch... it
3: would not just to clarify, it would yeah. not work as a, as a NFL pregame show. See, Netflix. I think it would.
2: I think it would. <laughs> I would watch that. It's uh, this is football ESPN. ESPN's YouTube tied in with Omaha. That's where you can catch it. And um, we'll see you on ESPN Friday. Looking forward to that. Going to have to figure out where you're going to be. But congrats (laughs) on the the new move. And uh, we'll be watching and enjoy the season. And thanks, as always, for coming on. Always had fun talking to you.
3: Thanks, Jimmy. Anytime, buddy. Thanks.
2: All right, joining me now, as he does every week from WFAN Radio in New York, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., SNY-TV in New York, my buddy Sal Licata. Sal, how are you?
5: Good. Good afternoon. Good
2: afternoon. Train of thought segment. here. We, I have uh, some good topics here. Let's start with this, because we touched on it <laughs> last week. Just to get it out of the way quick, week two of NFL Sunday Ticket on YouTube... Just tremendous. No issues at all. Again, no streaming issues, no buffering, no freezing. I begged last week to get the multi multi view offerings up before, you know, twelve fifty PM Eastern. They were up. I think I texted you. It was like twelve twenty when I texted you, maybe it was twelve forty when I texted you. So A plus kudos all around so far for YouTube.
5: You jinxed me. I did have, and I think it was my own end. I don't think this had anything to do with YouTube. I did have streaming issues, right? As you said, no streaming issues again or whatever. I can't believe it. I missed a, it like froze up. So I just reset it real quick. You know, I backed out and then went back in. I missed a Falcons touchdown. But, uh, so I think my internet was, was a little bit off uh, this weekend, but outside of that, it's just a, this is the greatest thing to ever happen to football viewing.
2: It, it, it's it's pretty tremendous. It really is. Um, and really,
5: all you need is three TVs, and you can probably get every game. Especially if you do uh, if you subscribe to YouTube and get the locals. But I, I got every game in last week with, with wait, only three TVs.
2: You really just need two. You can do four and four, and you're good to go.
5: Right. I guess the third TV then would be the local. Right. When there's one game, oh, right, I, right, had right. I had yeah, I had four and then four, but one of the four was a repeat game.
2: Got it. Got it. Um, the only issue I'm having has nothing to do with YouTube. I'm, but I'm watching it through Apple TV. I am so bad at working the Apple TV remote. It's I'm like it's sliding all over. The my big fat thumb makes it. Now I'll say this: I'd put myself top five human beings who can work a remote during games. There's nobody better. I can bounce from game to game. I don't miss a play. I've been in sports bars. I beg them. Can you let me have the remote, please? You don't know what you're doing. But the Apple remote, uh, it's just it's just way too temperamental, and, and it's a problem for me.
5: Very delicate. Yeah, to. I've become a pro with it because it's the only thing I've used for years as yeah. far as stream boxes, but it is very delicate. Because I the use the Apple. Long, like, if you go to move it, it screws everything up. You can't exactly. touch it.
2: That's exactly. yeah. what I was going to say. I'm using the Apple remote to maneuver the volume on the of on the multi view of the four box, and if your my fat thumb goes one centimeter the other way, now I'm off YouTube. I don't know what's going on. So <laughs> it's ridiculous that remote. Um, I wrote about this today. I'm sure you don't care, but I just got to throw this out there. The 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 coverage of Deion Sanders, is Aaron Rodgers-like. It's nonstop. Everyone's going crazy. Fine. And then the last week and this week, ESPN not sending Fowler and Herb Street to do the Colorado games. I don't understand it. So last week, Colorado played Colorado State. The game was at 10 o'clock. So I guess ESPN, they don't want to have Fowler and Herb Street doing 10 o'clock games. So they sent them to do Florida, Tennessee at 7 o'clock. Meanwhile, that game at 10 o'clock, Colorado, Colorado State, got 9 0.3 million viewers at 10 o'clock fourth or fifth most watched college football game on ESPN ever and I mean that's like a Thursday night NFL Amazon rating that's almost like a little bit less than a Monday night I mean so then I think okay they'll do them this week because they're playing Oregon which Oregon which is a legit game and there's something Fallon Herbstreet to Arkansas against LSU now, last week, what made it really dumb to me last week was that game day was in Boulder, Colorado. Herb right. Street was there, and they made the guy fly to Gainesville from Colorado to call that game. Now, suppose so today, I mean not today, Saturday, they're in they're at Notre Dame because Ohio State plays Notre Dame on NBC. But they're at Notre Dame because that's the best game of the day. And they don't think Herb Street can get from the end of game day in Indiana to Eugene, Oregon in time for a 3.30 kick. It's it's amazing that Colorado is this story. Dion is this story. He's on first take last week. He's on game day. And they don't have their number one crew calling any of the games. Bizarre. Yeah. Very bizarre I movie. mean,
5: even I know who's paid no attention to it. I just look college football had to be a sacrifice if I want to have a somewhat successful marriage. So there's just no way to do it. And even I know that that's a huge story. I assume that they were doing the game because I saw everybody there that week with all the right. shows. Dion was there. Right. McAfee was lined up there with all the guests. So right. I just assume that. And to me, it doesn't make sense if you're going to have game day there, why you wouldn't then do that game with your top announcers.
2: ESPN's hung up on Fallon Herbst doing like the primetime game that's either on at seven or eight o'clock. They have to, I would get off that thinking. I mean, everybody watches that, everything at different times now. It's, you know, I. I that's right. antiquated thinking. Um
5: I also so. just don't like <clears throat> I am not trying to disparage the guy. Like Fowler to me is not a primetime guy. I'm sorry.
2: But he's their number one. That's their number one booth. So I
5: know. he doesn't do it for me with college football.
2: Oh, yeah, that's a separate issue. To huh. me, you have to have your number one booth calling these Colorado games when you have them. If they're going to if you're going to like you said, if you're going to spend all this attention on it, and then Fallon Hurphy doing Arkansas, LSU, it makes no sense. Right. Um, did you bet in any way, shape, or form the Niners-Rams game?
5: I did not. No, I know about it, though, but I did not.
2: I don't believe for one second that Sean McVay didn't know what the point spread was. For people who don't know, the point spread was 75 and a half and Niners minus seven and a half Rams are down by 10 and with no time on the clock they kicked a field goal the Rams and McVay so they ended up at 30 to 23. What did he say let me, afterward? Well let, me, well let me be clear about something here I don't think Sean McVay was fixing the game I don't think Sean McVay bet on the game I don't think any of that I do think Sean McVay said to himself well Let's help out all the Rams fans who bet us today, and they kicked that field goal. That's what I think happened, and ever, no one would ever admit it. I don't. So I don't believe
5: I have there not was seen zero time left. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no even way you can, like you could say if there were four seconds left, you get the onside kick, you throw a hail mary, at least you make a case for that because it's two score well, game.
2: And the other argument too is. If you're just trying to score there for window dressing, why didn't you go for a Hail Mary? Right. Like, why are you not just, you know, I don't know. Um, Darren Rovell tweeted this last night, which I found fascinating. Signed into Sean McVay's press conference to hear his reaction to the gambling world's buzz over his decision to go for a field goal down 10 with time expiring. The okay. Rams the Rams didn't let me in on the Zoom. I don't think anything crazy uh, crazy is up. Keeping a gambling reporter out of it makes it seem worse.
5: And nobody else during the during the post game press conference asked him about it?
2: My guess is the legit beat reporters are not gonna bring up point spreads and gambling to the coach.
5: No, but but they could say why kick the field goal like you there's there are ways to do it without right. Saying right. specifically, "Oh my God, you covered the spread." You just say what right. was the decision and kicking a field goal, an otherwise meaningless field goal. They I had some. An explanation.
2: I had some dopes on Twitter say to me something about like, you know, points scored is one of the tiebreakers or something like that. That's not why he did it. I'm sorry, it's not.
5: Well, I mean, is it? Is it a tiebreaker? I don't. I don't know. I mean, there's got to be a reason why he did it.
2: Again, why not go for the hail mary?
5: I mean, did they? I didn't watch the game play. out. I just heard about that.
2: Just again, why are you kicking a field goal there?
5: Dude, I, I know it's a different story, different game, but I, now were you impacted by that at all? Did you bet? No,
2: that game no, either? no, no, no. I had the 49ers in a teaser, so it didn't impact me in any way, shape, or form.
5: I had the, the shitty Broncos in money line parlays and in a teaser, and my afternoon was lost. Until that freaking Hail Mary, which I actually could not believe. Did you watch that live? I did. I couldn't believe that he actually caught it. And then there was like hardly any excitement. It's like, dude, you just miraculously put yourself in a position to tie the game. And they were on a horrible two-point conversion play. And obviously the Commanders won the game. But that to me was – I had them in a teaser on top of the parlay. So at least I got that miracle cover by the Hail Mary. I could not believe – Watching that unfold on that was for, for me one of the great wins of all time on a teaser that hail mary.
2: I uh, I enjoy seeing the Broncos being zero and two after Sean Payton made a big stink about saying my players are not going to wear what he called them I believe was Adam Sandler hats.
5: He he made fun of the Sandman.
2: Well, no, he didn't make fun of the Sandman. He just said like he doesn't want his players wearing floppy hats on the sideline. As if that's important, it has anything to do with whether you win a football game or not.
5: Right. No, he, they they Oh,
2: I'm him, sorry. I'm to... sorry. I'm sorry. He called it Gilligan hats from Gilligan's uh, Island. Okay. My bad. My bad. So are you
5: making hat. fun of Sandler? I mean, come on.
2: <laughs> no, no one's making fun of Sandler. He's the one. He said, listen, Sean Payton has banned the Broncos players from wearing, quote unquote, Gilligan's hats or or bucket hats on the sidelines. And, you know, I'm glad Sean did that because that's very, very important to whether you win or lose a football game. It means a lot.
5: They embarrassed themselves. He embarrassed themselves on Sunday. You give, the
2: I think yeah, the commanders deserve a lot of credit. Rookie quarterback going into De- Denver. It's impressive.
5: Coming back after, what were they down,
0: 24 nothing or 21-3? Something 20, like that. I saw
2: 20, tw- 21-3, 21-3. Man. This we're going to take a weird turn here, but I just want to bring this up because I've said many, many, many times on this podcast that you could not pay me to go to a football game. I think you're in the same boat. I'm not. But did you see that a a Patriot fan died at Foxborough Sunday night after getting punched in the face by a Dolphins fan? Did you see that
5: story? Uh, I, I heard about it today. Yeah, I didn't see it. I heard about it.
2: I don't understand how that happens when everyone's just like. No, like barely getting any coverage, barely. And I mean, the behavior of people at sporting events gets worse and worse and worse. And I feel like nothing's being done about
5: it. I did see a video this morning on the train ride in on Facebook where it was about 20. Maybe that's an exaggeration, but there was a whole row of fans at a Rams game. I don't know if you saw that one. There's one guy yelling, another guy yelling, and all of a sudden all hell breaks loose and people getting involved, and 13 people are filming it, 10 people are fighting in it, and it's not the first one. Like, these come across your social media feeds all the time. Right. That, to me, is deplorable. I didn't see the thing. I don't know if there's video of the Patriots fan getting punched, but, yeah, it's – I mean, it's reprehensible. Is what it I
2: is. just can't believe how bad it's getting, and I feel like no one cares.
5: Do you think it's worse because of social media?
2: I think it's. I think it, listen. When, I think whenever you have something like this, it's not one reason. It's multiple reasons. I think absolutely social media is a part of it. I think COVID's a big part of it. I just think people are very angry since COVID. You see it with road rage. You see it in restaurants. People fight, and you see it in stores. People are very, very angry, and I think COVID. You know, being cooped up for a year the way the country's divided. And this, this is not about one side or the other. This is, I mean, every you know, we are divided. There's just no two ways about I mean,
5: it. But, but COVID's been three years ago. So you're saying that that started this divide,
2: though. I, yeah. Well, it it, mm. it it exacerbated the divide. And I think it made people, the whole entire thing of COVID made very people very angry. From being cooped up to whether or not to get the shot, this person's vaccinated, this person's not. Everyone's angry. And, you know, listen, people lost a lot of money during COVID, Mm -hmm. so that i think that's a factor i think like you said social media you know people i think people see this stuff on social media and i don't know if i i I don't know if it inspires them but like i don't know obviously the the booze is a huge factor and i think people are angry because of the way everything i think i've said this before i think people go into sporting events go into it angry because of the money they spend fifty dollars to park the car they're spending $12 for a beer. They're spending $8 for a hot dog. God only knows what they spend on the ticket. You're already aggravated going into the game before anything happens. Then you have some asshole next to you cursing and yelling. Maybe they're with your kid. These people are people throwing stuff. I just don't understand how it's acceptable, and I feel like nothing's being done about it.
5: Then your team gets their ass kicked, like, right. and they're even more angry. Okay, so what's supposed to be done about it? No alcohol I don't know. Like, they're not going to – You're not going to –
2: you're not going to do. So that.
5: so what else is there? And then how about the people that are sitting there filming it? You could see on one guy's phone how many other people are filming the same thing because they all want clout on social media. Like it's honestly pathetic and right. I would not want to be surrounded by that ever. Um but I don't know the answer to to fix it. Like how do you fix that? Better listen, security? Like
2: No, I, but, listen, I don't I don't think it's fixable, which is what I think is so distressing about it. I just don't. I don't think it's fixable. So I mean, listen. Obviously, you know, listen to me. If someone's getting in a fight at the stadium, ban them from the stadium. Like, but again, like this guy, this poor guy here is dead, fifty three years old. Now, I'm and looking he at died a,
5: because he fell. He got punched and fell back and hit his head.
2: So I'm looking at a story here. It says a man died after suffering an apparent medical event in the stands during the fourth quarter, uh, Patriots Dolphins Sunday night, and it said here. On Monday, a fan came forward and stated he witnessed a guy and several fans getting into a fight. It's unsettling for for sure this fan said who witnessed the conversation. He basically just grabbed another fan, and they started tussling around for a few minutes. At one point, another Dolphins fan walked over, punched him, and the man just went out. It was pretty hard to watch. So maybe, okay, so maybe he got hit and he had a heart. I don't know. But again, there shouldn't be one punch thrown at a sporting event.
5: Right. No, that's bad. I mean, it's somebody got killed now. I would assume the guy who did is going to go to jail, assuming they found him. But you, you, you're right; it's there should be a zero. Like you should not have to worry about dying if you go to uh, right. a sporting event,
2: or even just getting punched, even if the guy didn't right. die. Why? Why people? You know? Why are people throwing punches at a sporting event?
5: You're right; they're uh, angry.
2: Yeah. Um, all right, got to make another weird turn, but I'm going to close it with this. I made a decision over the past week on this pod about the pod after we read reviews last week or two weeks ago I am no longer going to read reviews that mention the wrestling stuff Okay, it got too much on the last pod I I listened to it, I didn't like it like if you don't like the wrestling discussions on the podcast like that's fine, you're entitled but if you leave it on a review, I'm not reading it anymore it's played out, give us some new material so (laughs) I feel like Howard Stern, when he did the Peace and Love, when uh, Ringo said no more autographs after the date of whatever, no more no more comments about the wrestling on the reviews. It's over, done with, played out.
5: Ringo Starr stopped giving his autograph after a certain date?
2: It's a famous thing in the... Stir- well, he said, like, stop sending me pictures to sign. He's like, after a certain date, I'm not going to be signing anymore. I say this with Peace and Love, Peace and Love. That's where Peace and Love came from, if you are in the um, Howard Stern universe. yeah.
5: Okay. Um, but I, yeah, it, it's every fucking one of them. Love the right. show. Yeah, you yeah, guys it, are great, it, but hate the.
2: I'm not reading I'm them not. anymore. Did you see that they canceled Winning Time HBO?
5: Yeah. So is this part of the writers' strike? No. This is just because they didn't think the show was doing well. I mean, I love yeah, the show.
2: Yeah, I guess enough people weren't watching it.
5: So all right, then I have a question for you now because I'm still yeah. behind. I only saw the first two episodes. Do I even bother watching it?
2: I was going to ask you that question. <laughs> that was the exact question I was going to ask you. Do I bother finishing the series?
5: So we're going to get a full season this It season ended and- already.
2: It ended this past Sunday. I didn't watch it because I'm like four behind now. This past Sunday was the series finale. And from what I read, great article by Alan Seppenwald, who's been on this podcast. I should get him on. It's been a while. Rolling Stone, Alan Seppenwald, does a great job covering TV. He wrote a big article about it. And he said that, I guess... A couple of months ago, it was before the strike, he said, they filmed what could possibly be a series ending in case they do get canceled. And I guess they must have got word last week or whatever that they got canceled, so they put in that sort of series ending. I believe what he said was, it's going to be a little bit of a spoil, but not much, but I guess it, it closes with like some sort of montage. Um,
5: of and, the future of what happens? And that,
2: and that was like added in. So
5: All right. I, I enjoyed I, it, uh, I'm bummed. Yeah, I'm, uh, me too. When I read that, I was bummed by it. Uh, I, like I said, I think I've watched the first two this season. I will finish it, though, especially if there is a payoff. Like, I'm not just going to be caught in the middle waiting for something else. If there was no clear ending, I'm not going to invest in it. But now I will. I hate when they do that shit. I agree. Can't find shows that I like. I hate it. Yeah.
2: That's why I don't start a ton of shows anymore because it's, you know, you never know what's going to happen.
5: Well now we have the luxury of waiting until the show is completely over, whether it's three right. years, five years, ten years, and then we can go back and watch it. You'll I was expri- thinking I, I want I'm ready to watch the Sopranos again.
2: I mean, listen, I'm I'm always up for watching this. Like I can start that at any time. The Sopranos and, and Curb at any time I can I can pop those on and it makes me very
5: happy. Been years. I gotta do it. I gotta go back and watch it.
2: I tweeted the curb. It worked out perfectly when the Jets on the opening Monday night against the uh, Bills when Rodgers got hurt. I went right to the curb clip where the guy, Larry's friend, commits suicide and Larry says it's because of the Jets. And he says the Jets killed Carl because in the in the episode, it starts with the friend of Larry's saying that he's so tired of the Jets and what they do to him and the stress. And he says something like, I can't take any more disappointment. Cut to a few minutes later in the episode, Jeff calls Larry. He says, The guy killed himself. Larry goes, Oh no, what happened? He goes, he said he couldn't take any more disappointment. Larry goes, that's what he said about the Jets. The Jets killed Carl. <laughs> but he goes, he goes, the Jets killed Carl and a little bit of the Knicks.
5: <laughs>
2: he was like, he's like, he said, if you're a Jet fan, all you do is deal with the It's constantly losing. It's constantly negative. They always do this. They always do that. And it I mean, that night when Rogers got hurt, it was like, you know works even more now after week two of Zach Wilson, but terrible. Uh, did you see Brady? We talked about this last night. I'll just close it with this. On a serious show on Monday, Jim Gray asked Brady about signing with the Jets. And what Brady like he didn't even like acknowledge it. He's like, next question. And I said last week, there were no more embarrassing people in the world of media than those who were like, the Jets should call Tom Brady. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Let me call Sophia Vigar now that she's single. I mean, hey, what I, I, I it's if, ridiculous. If you
5: had a number you wouldn't
2: No, I wouldn't. It would be to have her hang up on me.
5: Well, I mean, still, you got to give the effort. If you're not shooting your shot, you're not going to score at all. I
2: mean, the the difference is, I did not have a contentious relationship with Sofia Vergara, whereas Tom had it with the Jets, as I said last week. But Jim Gray said something about you know did the Jets? He goes, no, no, no. Next question. Like he wasn't even like he was like embarrassed to even be asked that question. Tom Mm -hmm. Brady. Yeah, he's going to come out of retirement and play for the Jets. I mean, this is stupid. Oh, if you want
5: to win win another Super Bowl, what what would be the best spot? It
2: has nothing to do with the Jets. He's not doing it.
5: Right. Well, that's a different story.
2: No, that's the story.
5: I mean, excuse me for not trusting that Tom Brady's actually going to stay retired. I mean, we have been fooled before by this.
2: Oh, stop. It's over. Everyone comes out once of retirement. Now he's done. No one comes out of retirement twice. I mean, well, I shouldn't say nobody. Who does let's see who's come out of retirement twice. I'm trying to think. Favre? Did Favre right. do that?
5: I thought that he did, didn't he? I don't know. Yeah. But, but it has happened before.
2: Listen, the only way I would ever see Brady coming out of retirement is if I, I don't I think there's a zero percent chance it would ever happen. But maybe if the Patriots called him an ass, but he's not gonna go to the Jets. It's ridiculous.
5: But they uh, but they are in a position to, you know, they need a quarterback, obviously, and they could win a Super Bowl if they had a good quarterback.
2: I don't. If you gave Tom Brady truth serum, I think he would say, "I don't want to win a Super Bowl with the Jets."
5: Maybe. What's the
2: glory in it for him? What's the upside? Well, I mean, why,
5: so I told me to ask you this then: If Jim Gray asked him that question, why can't he just say, "Jim, no offense, a I'm not coming back. I'm retired. B I would never fucking play for the New York Jets." Because I'd it's rather so, hear him say that.
2: Because it no. To me, he handled it the right way. It's so preposterous. He's not even giving it. It's, he's not even acknowledging it. That's how I would play uh-huh. it if I was him. It's a ridiculous theory. Yeah. It's like, you uh-huh. know. I don't know. Um, all right. I don't think I have anything else.
5: All right. That's it?
2: I think that's it. I think that's all it. Right. No, more, no more reviews about wrestling. Good. Plus, too, I went back and looked. Like, there's barely any wrestling guests on the podcast.
5: Well, you separated them anyway, didn't you? Say the, that? Last, doing the separate- last two, I, yeah, so. you,
2: you know, not for nothing. If I want to piss everyone off, should we talk about The Rock on SmackDown?
5: Yeah, did I see you tweet about this, or somebody else was talking about? Is he coming back to wrestling or no?
2: I don't know. No one knows that yet. But he had said that he was supposed to come back for WrestleMania 40 against Roman Reigns, and then they decided something. They couldn't figure it out. It couldn't make. It what work. did he?
5: Do? I saw somebody like. Did, did he get himself into some trouble, The Rock? Like making, I don't know what he did that pissed off some people. Well,
2: or, he had the crowd chanting that the wrestler he was in the ring with is an asshole and Fox had to beep it.
5: No, I thought there was some. Oh, was that it? I don't know. I read somewhere that like The Rock had it made a bad decision and had to apologize for something. I don't know if it was some business venture or something. Oh, maybe
2: uh, that. That is, I, maybe. I don't know anything about it. I just know Friday he came out, surprised the crowd, did a thing in the ring. Okay. And, you know, that was that. Yeah. All right. We'll see you next week, Sal. Take it easy.
5: All right. Talk to you later.
2: Bye. All right. My thanks to Kevin Clark and Sal Licata. If you are not a subscriber to SI Media with Jimmy Trina, hit that subscribe button. You can also leave a review on Apple. And uh, if you've missed any recent episodes of the podcast, make sure you check them out in the archives. We've had a great run of guests as the NFL season kicks off. Scott Hansen, host of the NFL Red Zone channel. Julian Edelman, Peter Schrager, Charles Barkley, Chris Russo, all recent guests. So check those out. Give them a listen. And again, subscribe to SI Media with Jimmy Trina All right. That wraps up for this week. We'll see you next week. Stay safe and take care.
5: slash iHeart.